I love Mother's Day. Anybody have a mom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of your moms believed in discipline? Yes. There was no time out. Well, I take that back. There was time out in my house. The time out was to take a break so she could gain, gain her strength to finish uh, finish disciplining and that's about the only time out we ever had in our house so uh, but you know but my mom believed in in uh, discipline but uh, and maybe yours did I don't know uh, but we you know but if your mom believes in discipline then you then you create uh, and you develop a way to lie because you don't like discipline so but my mom was one of those types that that when you're driving in the you know in the car she's driving and and back then in the, in the 60s and the 70s, everybody drove big cars. You know, where you could put like six kids in the back seat, you know, and you put one in the back window. And uh, you turned them over every, every so often so they wouldn't get too burnt, yeah. Um, but, well, we, we would do that and we would irritate. And my mom was always the one that would say, if you don't stop it, I'm going to pull over. We knew she was never going to pull over. That's just, what, you know, that's just something that moms say, you know, that you're going to pull over. But, but what she did do was, if you got to the point where she couldn't take it anymore, she would drive with one hand, and the other arm was going to, reaching for a child in the back. She didn't care which one it was, but we knew that to satisfy the arm God, we had to sacrifice someone. I was so glad when my little brother came along. <laughs> I have been a sacrifice so many times. So, uh, to be honest, you know, we, we look at our moms, and Mother's Day is, is the day that we, that we look and we, and we say thank you for all the attributes of, of motherhood. As, as dads, we just kind of, or as men, we kind of look into it. We don't understand it. We don't comprehend it. Uh, you know, we just don't get it. I just don't get it. I mean, I appreciate it, I admire it, I respect it. I'm in awe of, of motherhood, but can't, I can't get it. I don't understand it. I just, you know, when a kid falls and, you know, you just pick them up and say, hey, it's all right, just, you know, shake it off. Moms run over there and love on them, and, and uh, guys just don't get that. But we're thankful that, that for moms. And that's what Mother's Day is for, is, is to, to look at all the attributes of motherhood. And, and the scripture tells us a lot about, about moms. Proverbs 31 talks about a, a virtuous woman and, and, you know, and all the attributes and how she takes care of her children and makes sure they're fed and clothed and, and everything else. But it's just that amazing bond that, 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 that moms have with their children. And, and to be honest, it's not just even the maternal instinct uh, of, of giving birth to a child. It is something that's inherent in most and almost all women that whether they're your child or somebody else's child, women can just take care of, they're just good moms and, and, they're, and they're great and, and dads aren't bad, but when it comes to nurturing and caring, man, I, I have to be honest with you, in my book, women, you have it, you're good. And, uh, and I, I will take a backseat to that any and every day. But the scripture does talk to us about, about what a mom should be. And I'm going to be really honest. I don't think that uh, all of us have a mom, but not everybody has a good mom. Oh. 
Let me say that again. Not every mom is a good mom. I remember when I was uh, two months before I turned 10, my mom walked into our bedroom with my, I was sleeping in one bed, my, my brother was in another, and she thought I was asleep because I was pretending. That's what nine-year-olds do. And she walked in, and I remember her telling her that my dad had just passed away. So I just laid there. To be honest, at a nine, when a nine-year-old hears that their father's passed away, you don't comprehend it, you don't get it. You, there's no way to wrap your mind around that. You're too young to, to understand the, the brevity of, of the situation. You just don't get it. You know, and, and so I watched my mom go through, through life, and she made some choices that I look back on and say, man, those weren't very good choices. But, but as you get older, here's, here's something about age that really makes you, makes you appreciate people. Because you look back, and I look back on it now, my mom was 38 years old, had six children at home, and no formal education, and no life skills. And yet I saw her pour her life into in whatever she could do and how many hours she needed to work, she was there. So longevity in life kind of has a, a way of looking back and you say, you know, you can give grace to people sometimes, even when they make decisions that are, probably aren't the best in the world, because if you were in their situation, what would you do? You understand me? So maybe you're here today, and, and I don't even know why I'm on this topic, but it just, it's on my heart. Maybe you're here today, and, and uh, your parent has, wasn't the greatest mom in the world. Maybe you had the greatest mom in the world. I'm thankful that my, my wife is, is a great mother. But we can be thankful. We can be thankful, because all of us have, have two childhoods. We have the childhood that we had, and we have the childhood that we give to our children. And, and, and that is one of the greatest blessings that the Lord can give us. So, anyway, with the scripture, with the scripture we read in, in Galatians chapter 4. Here's Paul, and he's talking to the church in Galatia. They, they came to faith in Christ through the, through the preaching and teaching of Paul. He was talking to them about, about the love of, uh, of the Lord and how Christ died for their sins and they came to faith in him. They had a living in a, in a live relationship with Christ and they were doing great and then Paul set him up and then he went on to his mission uh, trip and continued on and he receives this letter from the church that, that they're not doing so well because some of them, some of the, the Jewish believers had come along and taught them that they needed to follow the law, the Old Testament law, to be a real Christian. And Paul gives us this amazing analogy between the two covenants. He talks about Hagar and he talks about Sarah. He talks about two moms. Now, one thing I know about moms, there is a bond with, with parents. It's, it's amazing that my, my grandson and my daughter were here this week, and, and, and I loved spoiling him, and it was great. I even taught him how to unlock the door. I mean, it was fantastic. She hasn't forgiven me yet, but she will. And, but it's amazing. I, I watched the interaction between, between the two of them. It was incredible. 
It didn't matter what he did, she loved him. There's an unconditional love there. And, Gal- and Paul is talking to us in Galatians, and, and he's talking to those that, that were trying to live a certain life to get to, to God, to, a, to please God, and to, through the law of the Old Testament. And Paul said, it's like two different moms. And if you're trying to live for God according to a lifestyle, in other words, if you're here and God is here, you're trying to work your way to appeasement with God. I don't know about you, but I have met people like that that tried to get to God because of of works, of good things they were trying to do in their life. And they thought, if I lived a good enough life, then I'll be able to please God. I know parents like that, that, that children just try to please their parent all the time. And they do things just to get their parents' attention. And Paul is using this same analogy, and he says, listen, if you're trying to live for God based on what you do, you're like, you're like Ishmael, you're like Hagar in the Old Testament. Because if you remember, if you remember the story, Abraham got tired of waiting on God to provide a son, so he had a son with, with Sarah's uh, help, with, with Sarah's maid. Hagar. Hagar, Ishmael, was man's attempt to do God's work. When we try to please God through the things we do, through if we are looking at our life and saying, we're just going to live a life that is, is pleasing to God. We're going to do this, and we're not going to do that, and we're not going to do this, and we're doing it to try to get to Him. Paul said, if you're living that life, you will always be a slave, and you'll never understand the freedom and the relationship of what you should have in your relationship with God. You're always going to try to please Him. And here's the thing about the law. It demands perfection. It always demands perfection. You will never hear praise from the law. You'll never hear praise if you're trying to live a life that's worthy to get to God. If you're trying to live your life, in other words, so you can get to God, so you can feel good about your relationship with God, if you think you're trying to earn your way to God so He'll say, look at me, you're you're doing well, you'll never hear it. Because you and I, humanity, cannot be good enough to live by the law to earn that perfection. None of us are perfect. None of us have a sinless life. None of us can can stand before the Lord and say, look how perfect our life is. And that's what Paul was trying to tell the church in Galatia. If you're basing your relationship with God on on the works that you're doing, you're like a slave. You're constantly going to be working and trying to earn your salvation, and you'll never, ever receive it. But he said, but the Jerusalem which is above, not the Jerusalem that was on earth, not the law and the temple, but the Jerusalem which is above, is free. What did he mean by that? He simply was pointing out as long as you're trying to 
to live a life that, that will bring you up to a place where you're worthy of God, you're always going to be a slave and a servant to it, and you'll never have the relationship with God that you want because you're always going to base your relationship with God on, on how you feel about what you've done. But the, but the new covenant... The new Jerusalem is not based on the works we've done. It's based on the works that Christ has done. The new Jerusalem is based on not our goodness, but his goodness. Not our holiness, but his holiness. And we have to get to that place that we understand that, that we get to do and live an abundant life and, and, and have good works in our life, not to get to God, but because God has come to us. And it's a wellspring, it's an offspring of a relationship with the Creator that we don't have to earn, that we don't have to try to buy, that we don't have to try to talk ourselves or God into, that He freely came and lived and died and rose again so that we can have pardon and forgiveness of sins that we can walk every single day in a relationship with God that, that we can wake up in the morning and the creator of the heavens and the earth will flood our heart and fill our soul with joy. And you can't earn it, and you can't buy it. If you want the freedom, you have to get to the place that you realize that, God, it's what you did for me, and it doesn't matter where I've been, it doesn't matter what I've done, it doesn't matter what I've said, it doesn't make no matter how many mistakes I've made in the past, today, today I receive the grace of God. Today I receive the joy of the Lord. Today I put my faith and hope and trust not in the works that I do, but what you did for me. Man, if you want to experience joy, if you want to have the joy of the Lord in your life, it's never going to be based on trying to be good. I mean, I, I ask the Lord that all the time. Sometimes I'll pray and I say, Lord, you know, I, you know I haven't done anything wrong today. I haven't said anything bad. I haven't had a bad thought. But I'm getting ready to get out of bed. <laughs> you trying to earn your, your salvation? And here's the tendency. You say, well, pastor, I wouldn't do that. You know it's human nature. It's human nature in all of us that we try to do that. That we try to, to do things for God. It's just who we are. But Christ came to set us free from us having to do the work. He did it. And you ask yourself, why? Why would he do that? Because he's a good father. Because God loves you more than you will ever know. And to be honest, He doesn't care where you've been. And He doesn't care what you've done. The only thing He's interested in is for us to come to Him and put our faith in Him and ask him to cleanse us because we can't cleanse ourselves. And when he cleanses us, when he changes us, we have that, that privilege 
of walking in a relationship with the Creator that we can hear His voice, He can hear ours, and we walk in union and communion with Him. Paul said it's like the mom that's free. It's that mom, it's that relationship that, that, that loves us unconditionally. I know when my children were born, my grandchildren were born, you, you hold them. And I've said this before, but it's so, so real that when you hold that child and you look at them, they haven't done anything for you and you would lay down your life for them right then. And the truth is, with children and grandchildren, you would do that even when they've grown up and they've made mistakes. You still would do that because that's just in your nature. And that's what Christ has done for us with this new covenant he said, I know that you've gone astray and I know that you've lived your own life and I know that you have made mistakes, but it doesn't stop my love and it doesn't put strings on my love and it doesn't force me to look at you in an austere way. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to die for you. I'm, they're going to take my life instead of yours that if you put your faith in me, you can have eternal life. you're here today and, and, and you're trying to earn your way, can I tell you, just, it's not going to work. I've tried it. I'm sure a lot of you have tried it. It just doesn't work. What does work is when you are all in with Jesus and you realize that he is sufficient in everything. That it doesn't matter what you've done. If you just talk to him and say, Lord, I need forgiveness, he is there to forgive. And if you say, Lord, I need, I need a cleansing, he is there to cleanse. There is nothing like having the creator of the heavens and the earth pardon the transgressions in your life. You feel like a million dollars. You know that you're in right relationship with him. There's no cloud hanging over your head. You are able to fall in love with God because he loves you. Wow, it's just incredible. If you're here today, and you're trying to labor under the false illusion that you can live a life on your own that's pleasing to God, You'll always be a slave. But if you want to be free, put your faith, hope, and trust in him.